Heavenly Father, this morning as we uh, praise you and lift you up and worship you, I know that your heart is full because of our worship. And so, God, as we open your word and as we listen for your voice to speak to us, may you fill our hearts with your vision for our church. In Jesus' name, amen. I think everybody has something that they find comfort in. Some people, it's socks or slippers, and I know you native Floridians, if the weather dips below 70 degrees, it's time for Uggs and, uh, and slippers and wool socks, am I right? Some of you, you turn the heat on when it turns under 70 degrees. Um, you know, when you go shoe shopping, I remember this as a kid, and you, you, you go to the department store or rack room shoes, wherever you go, and you look through the aisles of shoes and you find the one you really like, and it, it's crisp and it's clean and it's new, and you put that shoe on to make sure you have the right size, but the minute you take it off and you put your old shoes back on, when your foot slides in the old shoes, it's like those sho- shoes know your body, am I right? Your toes just slide right back into the grooves. It's just comfortable. Everybody finds comfort in different things. Some people, it's, it's uh, food. I think that's why they call it comfort food. Everybody has some, something that just brings back memories. Sometimes it's uh, your mama's cooking. Maybe it's chicken noodle soup for some of you, cornbread, I don't know. Mine, by far, is Cracker Barrel. When you go into this restaurant, you can feel the grease hit you when you walk through the door. Mmm. Man, I could eat that every day of my life for the two or three months before I died. <laughs> but it's comfortable. Some of you, and especially the younger ones uh, in here, you find comfort in stuffed animals. In fact, as I've been making my rounds this morning saying hi to people, there are several stuffed animals that made their way to church this morning to worship. I think that's awesome. First service, we had baby dolls over here. We had some stuffed animals, and that's okay. Uh, several years ago, Kanan, my youngest son and I, we went on a dad date. We like to spend time together. I wish we did it more often than we did, but I asked him, I said, hey, Kanan, where would you like to go for our dad date? And he said, I want to go to Build-A-Bear. How many of you have ever been to Build-A-Bear? Oh, that's a lot of you. That's cool. Uh, It's one of the coolest stores ever. You walk into the store, it's usually in the mall, and on the wall are these empty carcasses of stuffed animals. They're just shrunk and shriveled up, uh, and, and you get to pick whichever one you want. Now, Kanan picked this kind of light, honey-colored bear with big eyes. He said, that's the one, Dad. And so we got it off the wall, and we took it over to the stuffing machine, and the guy filled it with stuffing, and we tested it to make sure it was just the right amount of stuffing, and they sewed it up. And then the guy said, what's his name? Now, Kanan and I were going to leave that store, and we were going to go to another comfort food restaurant called The Flying Biscuit. And so Kanan said, his name shall be Biscuit, which I think is a great name. And Biscuit traveled with us. I mean, he's gone on trips with us. He, uh, he's been a part of the family ever since that day. In fact, again, several years ago, shortly after uh, we had gotten Biscuit, I went in to check on Kanan at night. He was, he was already sleeping. And I found him with Biscuit along with several others of his friends. Here's a picture of them all together. Oh, that twin bed got even more crowded with all those comfort animals. Some of you find comfort in your beds. Are there any bed snobs out there? Thank you. There's two, three of us, four of us. Thank you. I am a bed snob. There is not a better bed in the planet than my bed. I don't care if it's at a, at a really bougie hotel or you go to a relative's house, there is no bed like my own bed. 
About 11 years ago, my wife Jen and I went to the Sleep Number store in the Mall of Georgia in Buford, Georgia, and we, we ended up doing this right here. We, we walked in, and the first question that the salesman asked was, what's your number? And, and we gave him blank stares because we had no idea what he's talking about. And he said, your sleep number. You're in the sleep number store, sir. And uh, we said, we don't, we don't know what you're talking about. And so he made us lie down on, these, on a bed like this. Oh, go back one. On, on a bed like this. And we looked up and there was this screen on the ceiling. And it, it showed us all the hot pressure points where we were lying. And then he handed us this next slide here. The magic remote. Let me tell y'all, this thing is fantastic. And I'm not getting a commission by this sermon illustration, by the way. Although that's a good idea. He hands us this remote. If the bed's too firm, with the touch of a button, it gets cushier. If it's too squishy, with the touch of a button, it fills with air and gets firmer. It's magical. My number is 70, by the way. That's where I'm at. Do you know your number of comfort in life? If you had to rate your life comfort on a scale of one being incredibly uncomfortable or out of your comfort zone to 10 being incredibly comfortable, where do you put yourself? There's a struggle in all of Christianity. I don't mean Seventh-day Adventist faith, but all of Christianity. It's not the struggle with being comfortable with sin, although that is a struggle. It's not the struggle in churches over carpet color or worship styles or Sabbath school curriculum or ministry budgets. That's not the issue. The struggle that we have in Christianity is with being too comfortable. How we love to nestle into our comfort zone, don't we? It just feels good there. We love to have our, our small group Bible study community of 10 or 12, or, or in this church, maybe it's a larger group of people, but, but that's the group, and, and we want to stay with that group. Uh, we we want to be comfortable as our worship time is really just this once a week feast that we have here in this sanctuary room and it stops there. We like to be comfortable with just dipping our toe into spirituality, but we never dive headfirst into the deep end to grow closer with Jesus. In a lot of ways, the church is too comfortable. And when we become comfortable, what happens is we become known for nothing. No one knows you're different. No one knows that you have a calling. No one knows you've got the power of Jesus at the, at the fingertip. When we become comfortable, we become known for nothing. In fact, when we become so comfortable that we're non, known for nothing, we end up becoming known for what everyone else thinks we are known for. In a survey about five years ago, the Barna Group, which is a, a research organization here in America, and they, all they do is research spirituality and religion and churches. It's, it's a really cool, well-known group that does good work. They did a research study. They asked non-Christians uh, what their perspective of evangelical Christians was. Evangelical Christians are people that have given their life to Jesus and accepted him as their savior and then want to share that with others. That's the Seventh-day Adventist movement. We are evangelicals. And this survey asked non-Christians what evangelical Christians were like. Here are the results. Here they are on the screen. He, they said, non-Christians said that Christians are narrow-minded, homophobic, afraid of gays, misogynistic, demeaning to women, racist, and uptight. And when I read that description it makes me cringe that someone thinks that I'm like that. 
It makes me sick to my stomach to think that someone moving into my neighborhood that finds out that I'm a Christian might say, oh, well, I know who he is. He's this right here. Oh, he's a pastor. He's this right here. I hate the fact that I might be included into this picture. Yet before you were born, before you were even breathing, God had a plan for you and a calling for your life, and it was to be known for something, not known for nothing, to be known for something. He didn't call you and me to just exist during our short lifespan and meander mindlessly across the planet, uh, being politically correct and conforming to those that are around you. In fact, God said just the opposite. He said, don't conform to this world, but be transformed because the Spirit lives inside you. He called you to be different than everybody else. He called you to be known for something and share it with the world. And if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, where I think we see some specifications, a specific calling uh, for our church family. First Peter chapter 2, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can use the Blue Pew Bible in front of you and turn to page 858. You'll read the same words that I'm reading. First Peter chapter 2. Now we oftentimes read from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, oftentimes we read from Paul's letters as he writes to the little churches. But here's a couple of letters that Peter writes. And you know Peter, uh, the first disciple that's called this uh, kind of rash fisherman, yet he's a soul winner too. He's a Jew who was converted to Christianity, and so he's got a special soft spot in his heart for Jews that are converted to Christianity, yet he also realizes that because the Jews were prideful and, and arrogant, they missed the Messiah and missed the calling to share the message of the Messiah. And so because the, because the message of a risen Savior is bigger than just a people group, God opens up the chosen to include anyone and everyone that would accept Jesus as their Savior. And so Peter writes to both Jews and to Gentiles as he writes this passage to you and me this morning. Here's what he says, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Verse 9. Give me an amen if you're there. All right, here we go. 1 Peter 2, 9, it says this. But you, Forest Lake Church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And while all the different translations probably put it similarly, and they convey Peter's message well, I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this passage as he paraphrased the whole Bible in the message paraphrase. Here's how Peter, how Eugene uh, paraphrases Peter. He says this. He says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. I like that phrasing. Peter says each and every one of us have a calling to be a someone, an instrument that speaks out. In Greek, that is ek anangelo, which is this uh, same root for angels, angelos. Ek is out, to speak, to be a messenger, an angel, to speak out for him. I love that. He goes on to the next one. Well, before we even go there, I just want to emphasize the fact that he's saying you're called to be something special. Not something, uh, not nothing, but something special. You're called to tell the story of redemption. And that's what I really want to be known for. Uh, someone that has experienced the gospel, that gospel has changed me, 
and I want to share it with somebody else. This is how discipleship works. He goes on in the next passage there, the next couple of verses. Uh, Let's go back one slide, and then we'll keep going here. Uh, Eugene says, but you're the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. He He goes on, he says, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. He goes on, let's keep going here. He says, friends, this world's not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Here's the last part. He says this, live an exemplary life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute their prejudices, what they already think you are, what they think they know you. He says, let your actions refute that. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he uh, arrives. Are you getting this? Kind of slowly? It's like Peter says this morning, Christians, disciples, don't get cozy. Don't get comfortable. Don't be known for what culture and society says you are. Instead, be known for something better. Be known for the God that lives inside you, and as he lives inside you, he will spread to others around you. We all remember just a few years ago, the world shut down because of COVID. It just shut down. And while there are a million theories and a million conspiracies, and I know you've been sending them around on Facebook over the last few years, uh, while there's lots of different reasons why COVID may have come, there really is only one reason, and it's simply this. The devil will do anything and everything he can to stop people from knowing Jesus. That's the reason. That's all it is. And the reality is that the devil did a pretty bang-up job in stopping the spread, the spread of the gospel. Let's be honest, it's closer to home than you think. When COVID hit, churches around the globe went straight from looking at mission to looking at themselves. We all did it. I did it too. Instead of finding ways to allocate money to mission, we ended up tightening our budget belts in the local church to say, What are we going to do? How are we going to survive? What's going to happen to the church? Instead of being on God's mission, churches panicked and focused the mission on not hosting a super spreader event. That was the goal. We didn't want to be on national news. All across the globe, churches closed their buildings. I mean, there's signs all over the place. Here's a few of them. Uh, Here's, (laughs) we're sorry, church is closed. Here's another one. The church will be closed until further notice due to the COVID-19 coronavirus. God help us all. Here's another one. Church is closed, COVID-19. That sign's been around for a while. Look at the rust on it. All right, go to the last one here. Church closed for the time being. The church shut down. We went through from being focused on sharing the cross to focusing on not sharing corona. And although it's hard for this mission-minded pastor to admit We let the devil, at some level, close the church. But here's the reality. The devil can't close the church. It's not his to close in the first place. He doesn't own it. He's not in charge of it. He's got nothing to do with it. The church is so much bigger and so much more powerful than the devil that he can't close it. He can't stop it. Even Jesus says not even the gates of hell will will be able to prevail against it. The devil did his best to stop mission in his tracks, and I think he did a pretty good job at changing the gaze of the church 
but he can't stop it. Instead of the church financially declining like everyone was worried about, everything skyrocketed. Churches and conferences and, 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 and groups around the world, the finances went through the roof. It was amazing. The devil didn't win in the pocketbooks of God's people, that's for sure. And he's not going to win when it comes to mission either. He can't stop it because we won't let him. He can say, here's a pillow and here's a blanket. Let me tuck you in with your stuffed animal, but we won't stop and we can't stop because that's not who we are. We're a people on a mission to spread a message about a savior to the world. Am I, am I right? That's our calling. It's our identity. And that's what we're supposed to be known for. See, I want to be a church that looks like this. This is a St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Newton, somewhere in the UK. This is the pastor here, and he says, we can do this two meters apart, but not six feet under. He says, keep loving your neighbor. That's a can't stop, won't stop attitude of spreading the gospel message. Jesus says it best in John 13. Here's what he says. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you simply love one another... That's what I want to be known for, for being a disciple of Jesus that lives a life of loving others. You know, I think my goal in life, and I, I wonder if it's the same goal as most Christians, uh, it looks kind of like this. All this uh, yarn, it's kind of fatty yarn, all this yarn represents uh, your life. This is, this is the, uh, the thread of your life. If your life was a sweater, this is one of the loose threads at the end. You know the ones that you try to rip and then it just continues to unravel? You know the ones? Just, my mom always said, cut those off, Matt, don't pull them. But then you end up pulling it, right? I'm not the only one. This is your life. This is your, uh, your sweater of life. It's your, it's your social life. It's your professional career life. Uh, this is your, your parental life. It, it's, it's, it's everything. I want to live a life that anybody that's in touch with any part of my life, how I treat my wife, how I parent my kids, uh, the words that I say, um, how I react when somebody cuts me off in traffic, um, how I respond when the server really messes up my, my order at Cracker Barrel, um, how I respond when I'm angry or when I'm, when I'm hurting, when I experience loss. Um, what are some other things? How I treat the people that I supervise and manage at work. I want, I want the, any string, any part of that sweater that they pull. I want them just to keep pulling it and keep pulling it and keep pulling it until they get to the very end and when they get to the end, they'll realize that all along they were pulling my life thread that was always and has always been connected to Jesus. I would love it if people knew, not, knew me not because I'm Pastor Matt or because I'm the bald neighbor that they have. I would love it if people knew and they touched any part of my life and they knew that guy is connected to Jesus. That's what I want to be known for. That's it. Nothing more. I just want to be known to be connected to Jesus. And my guess is, is that many of you want that exact same thing in your life too. And as I think about the Forest Lake Church, I want to be known for something too. What do you want to be known for? I mean, wouldn't it be cool 
if our church was known as the friendliest church in Orlando, that when people come here, they can't help but smile because there's so much joy that happens here. Or, or wouldn't it be cool if we were known as the most compassionate place to be, where people's hurts and their pains and their struggles uh, were given, were turned into courage and they gained hope because we prayed for them, because we're compassionate? What if people in the surrounding neighborhoods, just across the street and around here, what if they knew that we exist not to fill the parking lot on Sabbath morning, but that we exist for them and their struggles and what they're going through, their problems and their troubles? What if every restaurant in the area knew that when one of uh, a Forest Lake church member walked into their restaurant, they knew it, they could sense it, they could feel it, and they would say, they must be a Forest Lake church member because of the joy that we have that exudes from us. In our church, we have incredible young people. I mean, there's a crew of good-looking dudes on the front row right here. That's dedication. Love that you guys are here. Uh, our high school students are incredible. Whether they go to FLA or they go to Lake Brantley or they go to Apopka, it doesn't matter. They are incredible in this church. Uh, Pastor Mark Reams does a fantastic job in the high school group and discipling young people and, and making them empowered leaders. And I've heard stories like this over the last six or eight months several times, but just about a week and a half ago, a group of our uh, young men of God in our church, they went to a restaurant. They're just going to go out to eat. And as they come up to the restaurant, there's a, there's a homeless person, homeless lady, I think, sitting right there by the front door. And they could have breezed right by her be, because everybody does, yet they stopped and they treated her like a human being. And they had a conversation with her and they encouraged her and they, they, they talked with her and, and spent time with her. They weren't looking for accolades. They weren't looking for an extra star in their crown. They weren't doing anything for any kind of credit and they walked inside and there was somebody that was watching. It was the manager of the store. And as they go to order their food, he says, I saw what you did and I wanna give you 50% off your whole meal. Wouldn't it be great if because of what happens in here, we change the world out there, that wherever we go, people say, I know that church. It's the friendliest church in town. Or what if we were known in this church, as the, ch as the church where you can always find Jesus because he's always here. That's everything we do would lift up his name. Or what if our church focused more on, on outreach and reaching people? Like, what if we did more local mission outreach projects like we did this last summer, where there was a couple hundred of us over the week that showed up every single night to, to impact one single family? Or, or we did events like Risen, or we did things like Serving Sabbath, and where the whole church goes and impacts the local community. What do you want to be known for? You know, just this, about a week ago, our church did something pretty cool that you don't even know about. I don't know if you've seen this lady. She's a mother, and she has a wagon, and she walks on the sidewalk. I see some heads nodding. She walks on the sidewalk out here as she has her little boy who is autistic, and he's in the wagon, and this is her mode of transportation, and she, she, she totes her boy in this wagon to different doctor's appointments and whatever it is. Some of you have seen her. If you've noticed that wagon, it's been getting more and more raggedy. Well, Pastor Jennifer, our children's and family pastor, who has a heart for people that are hurting, she saw that wagon, and it only had three wheels left. 
And so she immediately turned her van around and went straight to Costco or Target, wherever it was, and she bought a new wagon. It's a nice wagon. It's a beefy wagon. Uh, here's a picture of the kind of wagon she bought. There it is. It's one that is expandable and can grow. It's got a little sunshade or a rain shade. She got the nice one. She spent some good money on this thing, and it's worth every penny. She goes back to the autism center that's just on the corner of Hunt Club right here in front of Publix because that's where she'd seen this, this family going over and over again. And she walked inside and went to the front desk. Knowing that HIPAA rules were in place, she just said, uh, can you at least verify that you know this family, the one with the wagon? And they said, we can tell you that we know this family. And she said, great. I want to leave this wagon here for them with this note. Here's what she put on there. She said, dear friend, we hope this wagon can be a blessing to your family with love, your friends at the Forest Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church. And if you see them walking on the street, they have a nice wagon now. And that's because you gave that to them. I want to be known for this kind of thing. I want with all my heart for our church to not be known as the church that's next to Forest Lake Academy in Florida Living or across the street from Starbucks and the, and the uh, fire station. I want to be known as the church where Jesus resides. And when people know us, they know Jesus. So what do you want to be known for this morning? And what are you doing to be known for just that? I know maybe you in your own personal life, maybe your family life, maybe it's as simple as walking your neighborhood more. Um, we, there's so many neighborhoods around here. Odds are you live in a neighborhood. What if you just took more walks? Not because you're fat or you have a New Year's resolution, but because you want to meet and build relationships with those in your neighborhood. Maybe you take it next level. Maybe you print up a little card. Uh, maybe you put it in a Ziploc bag or maybe you can laminate it. And I know it's probably a federal offense, but Jesus will have to take care of that. But maybe as you walk, you, you tuck these little cards on, uh, on the mailbox and it just says, hey, I want to pray for you. If you'd like someone praying for you, email me at, put the email address. Don't put my email address. I know you guys. Or maybe it's, maybe it's as easy as this. Maybe you just order food on Uber Eats and have it delivered to one of your neighbors. And it, you just say, hey, I wanted to bless you with this because uh, I love you. And here's, this is from your friend at, and put your address there. Or maybe you just order flowers and get them sent. And you say, God made these beautiful flowers and I wanted to share his love with you. There are so many ways that people can know us by, that you can be known by something. And when they see that, they'll see Jesus too. And my prayer is that as we as a church show God's love more and more, that people will not only know us because of something, but they will also end up knowing Jesus too. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, today I'm challenged, I'm encouraged, but I'm challenged too to be more and more on your mission. That's why we're here. It's the only thing that gives us purpose. May you continue to push the Forest Lake Church outside these walls to impact people and impact our world. May we be known by something because you live inside of us. God, we love you and can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.